0: Today, I have the privilege of sharing a conversation that I had with the amazing Emma Gentle from The Grad Guide. We talked about parenting, balance, launching a business, and the importance of self-care. Emma's work centers around how teachers can build trust, acceptance, and compassion with their students. She argues that we need to remind ourselves that students are human beings who are still trying to learn to navigate their feelings, their experiences, and their environments. I hope that you get as much out of this wide-ranging discussion as I did with the incredible Emma Gentle. Emma, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, uh, thanks so much for joining me. Where are you phoning in from?
1: uh I'm just at home so it was funny when I saw your question what is the view outside your window I thought uh it's actually not very nice
0: so (laughs) it is home Sydney where's home
1: um I am from the top of Victoria so Swan Hill in Victoria
0: lovely lovely I uh did my master's down in um Victoria, uh, not Swan Hill. Uh, but uh I, I feel like Victoria is like my second home. It's just just stunningly, it's stunningly beautiful. How uh, how are you finding it this time of year?
1: It is lovely. I shouldn't say it's not very nice. Then the, the neighbour's view isn't lovely, but uh we are 80 meters from the river, so it is um pretty beautiful here when we're not flooding.
0: Yeah. Um <laughs> Quite possibly the most important question, Emma, what is your coffee order for when I can finally duck down to Swan Hill?
1: Well, actually, I have been running the oat milk cap for a while, but I've gone back to just a normal cappuccino. So pretty boring, really. Interesting.
0: (laughs) And my understanding is that um, you want to travel Australia. Is that right? Do you want to uh, get in a combi and drive around or what does that look like for you? It's part of your bucket list.
1: Yeah, we have um we have a big boat now that we take out in the ocean. So we used to have um just a river boat and my partner uh is an avid fisherman. So he does a big trip up to Darwin um for a month every year, which he's just come home from. And Rafi and I, my daughter and I went up for a little bit, which was lovely. But pre uh all of that, Josh and I were going around Australia for a big trip. Um and then he hurt his back. So we didn't get to go. But that is something that I would love to do um yeah with my family it'd be awesome
0: nice it sounds good have you read the book are we there yet uh it's a story about um this family that travels around australia and it's a it's a classic i believe it's by i think alison lester so a, a sort of a classic australian author um yeah i think i have yeah, it's really lovely. And uh, yeah. I don't know if you've done a, a long road trip with a kid, um, but that's pretty much all they ask all of the time is, are we there yet? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a, yeah, really lovely book. Um, is there a book that you've read, speaking of books, is there a book that you've read that has sort of caused you to, uh, I guess, stop and, and and reconsider a few things in your life? It could be within your um, uh, expertise or it could be more broadly.
1: Mm. Uh, anything from Brene Brown is always amazing. I love her work. Um, she comes up
0: all of the time, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, she's fabulous. And I think in the education world, I read a comprehensive guide to classroom management by Louise Porter, and that just changed the way that I looked at teaching and looked at children right. um, forever. Yeah, so right. I recommend that to everyone.
0: And why? Um, I'm sure we'll get into the work of um, Louise Porter later on in our conversation but why was it what was it about her writing that changed the way that you viewed classroom management and teaching?
1: So she's a child um, psychologist and she talks Mm -hmm. about the guidance approach and I think that when we go to university we learn the theory behind um, lots of reasons as to why we do things in the classroom but often uh, when we get into a job I don't think that that's sort of touched on again like it's easy to just sort of become part of the school you're in and you're molded to the school that you're in. And so she just changed the way that I looked at children and their behavior. And so wow. looking at behavior as communication rather right. than um, children being, you know, either good or naughty. So she really did flip everything upside down for me.
0: And can I ask, um, you mentioned um, you're, you're a parent, um, so you're a mum of a, a toddler. Um, How has that, Uh, how has being a parent changed you?
1: All of my teacher friends said to me that when you do have a child of your own, it will change the way that you look at teaching and approach teaching. And I think I've always had um, a relational approach to discipline and just loved working with children in that sense and sort of always had a holistic view, I suppose, of teaching. But I think it just amplifies everything. It really um, does. Yeah. Yeah. I think it just amplifies it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like I had a um uh even at an incident today with my little one, I've got a five and a half year old, someone that she just started Kindy, which is a whole nother yeah. whole nother world, and a, <laughs> and a three and a half year old who is just absolutely crazy. And um my five and a half year old this, this morning, we were just getting a bit cranky at each other. And she said to me, She goes, Daddy, you're just not listening. And I thought,
1: that's mm. true.
0: I'm not listening. I'm trying to rush <laughs> out the door and we're trying to find socks and all that kind of stuff and um it's definitely made me a lot more aware I think of my um behavior and also the importance of just just slow down like why are you why are you rushing like and we've just yeah. been home all day and just pottering around and playing and um it's really interesting to um I, I don't think I was talking to my wife about this a couple of nights ago and it is. It's changed us in ways that we just could never have imagined. But then mm. someone tells you that before you have kids and you're like, <laughs> seriously, like, what would you know? And so anyway. Yeah,
1: a, yeah I remember whole, saying to my yeah. friend, like, why didn't you tell me? And she was like, I tried to tell kids, you, but yeah. you just can't. Yeah, you have to experience it for yourself.
0: I think as well for me being on the other side of receiving information from schools. I mean, I'm mm. an assistant principal at a school and I, I spend a lot of my time like, Communicating outwards, not necessarily receiving communication. And so it's made me really think, I guess, about that, about the obviously the importance of having much more inclusive schools and schools where there is a conversation, not just a broadcast. Uh, But, uh, yes, but this and that compassion
1: for parents, too. Like,
0: because it's hard. Yeah, they just want the best for
1: their child, too. Like, you're on the same team. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Like, we're both professionals. That have experience working with children, and it's the hardest thing in the world. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. So, yeah, definitely, it makes you kind of stop and think. That um, just wondering uh, if you could have a dinner party with anybody. Um, who would be there? Obviously, your lovely family don't in- count in the head count. You can invite them along if you wish. Um, but who would you love to sit down with and have a meal? Have a chat it's funny her.
1: that you asked this question because it is on my vision board um <laughs> my mentor lael stone i absolutely love her and i am a big fan of the imperfects podcast love um it. so definitely the van kylenberg brothers and ryan shelton he is hilarious um and i would love to throw in hamish blake and ben crow just for good measure so i think that that would just be an inspirational and hilarious dinner party
0: how could you not have Hamish Blake? Like he's just the best. All
1: oh, right. They, they've yeah. now moved
0: to Sydney, and I'm like, yes, <laughs> finally they've come up closer to home. But I've um, uh, I uh,
1: have you listened to his podcast?
0: The had uh, how other dads dad.
1: Yes, it's great. Uh, it's,
0: it's brilliant, and I don't um, I actually wanted to start. It's funny. I wanted to start a podcast. Four dads, yeah, Um, and then and I'm not. He's definitely wasn't inspired by me. Um, uh, but then his podcast came out, and I thought, I can't do that. I just can't. There's no way anyone would. You can't
1: compete with Hamish.
0: (laughs) But um, interestingly, Hugh uh, is coming on the podcast shortly, um, which will be. I mean, I've been so drawn to his work, obviously, with the Resilience Project and also Mm. Perfect's Podcast, and I've never um found myself going like agreeing so much with the conversation when I hear their discussion and going, yes, that's exactly right. And I think the vulnerability of that podcast is, is really amazing. So I might invite myself if you can ever Yes, you can come
1: along. That would be great. I think, <laughs> well, honestly, I think that would be wonderful. Board, so, yeah, <laughs> send you uh, an email. <laughs> I, I
0: remember I got um, I got um, I phoned through for like the Hamish hey and Andy podcast many years ago, and I thought, oh my gosh, like I better say something that is remotely interesting. I like <laughs> the whole the but I think they have this ability to make use. You... I, I feel like, and I'm sure you're the same. I feel like. um, uh, the boys on the imperfect podcast and normal also Hamish and Andy are like my closest friends, but even though they yeah. don't exist. Yeah. And I think it's the vulnerability of those conversations which is so yes uh, so wonderful. I think because but
1: they're so relatable.
0: Yeah. So, so relatable. Yeah. Like I've got to stop fangirling. Uh so I'll I will move on. <laughs> um so Emma, what was your um what was your upbringing like?
1: I had I had a great upbringing it was a little bit rocky um my parents divorced at a young age and yeah. back then it sort of wasn't the norm to have a broken family i feel like uh it's a little more common these days so that was quite yeah. rough um just being in school it was almost like you didn't belong as much um yeah. and so there's a little bit of bullying attached to that but obviously we had to change schools and that's always hard for children as well um yeah but in saying that i had such a great upbringing we rode and competed horses all of our childhood and i still did right up until only a couple of years ago before i had my daughter um and participated in sports so we did you know basketball tennis netball i played football for a bit They're all the sports because we are country kids yeah. um so i just loved that and i loved um i loved the lessons that having horses taught me growing up. I think that's really contributed to the person that I am. Um, Just having that responsibility and following your passion and building your skills. And yeah, so I had a great upbringing.
0: Yeah, that's great. And it sounds like um I've had the privilege of speaking to a number of um, people that were brought up in the country. And, and, and sport does play, I think, such a central part. And do you think it's a it seems to me, uh, I'm a, a, a city guy, but it seems to me that it, it really does help to build those like cohesive communities. And it's something which plays yeah, such a central role. I think uh, we're we um, we're currently trying to teach our little one the importance of showing up for your team, even when it's cold and when she does
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> some of those lessons for us, it's actually not about her playing soccer. It's about her knowing what it is to work on as part of a team and to be disciplined yeah and to show up and shake hands when you lose 15-1 and so like all yeah <laughs> are really important but are there any other lessons that you think you're um you're, you're you're really sort of grateful that you learned in your uh in your younger years out in the country
1: uh yeah i think that responsibility and that discipline and also Mm -hmm. mum was great she never she always provided us with opportunities but we were never pushed so if we we didn't want to do something yeah just that discipline of yeah having to show up and look after an animal and then put in the work to build your skills to compete and um and just even yeah practicing like I look back now and I was grateful but I probably didn't tell mum enough how grateful I was um it's only you know having your own daughter and being mm-hmm. an adult and realising how much mum sacrificed to, you know, take us to training during the week and then also be out with the horses with us at night, you know, no matter the weather and then spend her weekends travelling across Victoria going to competitions and or taking us to sport, like... Absolutely huge commitment. So, yes, yeah, so many lessons within that, and and you're right in yeah, wow. what you said about community. It really does build that community sense and make you feel like you're a part of something bigger. So, I,
0: I think that's uh, that's so true. And I'm like my parents, uh, I was born in the UK, um, actually out in the country, uh, even though I live in Sydney now. Um, and um, I just remember my parents being so present, despite dealing with heartbreak and the um, the pain of separation and all of the and financial challenges and all of this stuff. And it's really, firstly, I think being a parent has taught me um, to appreciate and see my own parents through new eyes, but also to to realize that they were just trying to figure it out. So any kind of, I guess, frustration on my have yeah. with them is like, they were just trying to do the best job. And I'm sure my kids, when they grow up, will have the same frustrations with me. But we're all just trying to I guess trying to not emotionally scar our children and being the best people that we can be, and so it's really, um, yeah, it's a, it, it's a yeah. tough. It's, I think it's that's amazing, huge. Yeah, about just and sometimes just giving ourselves a break and going, we may not. I mean, we're very fortunate, but we like it. it sometimes it's hard. I think when you when when your kids go to people's houses and live in these massive mansions or when they come back and say oh how come we don't I don't know have six bedrooms and a swimming pool or whatever and I think like it's yeah it's a good reminder that while those things are important that's not so while those things are lovely that's not the important thing it's actually about being present with your kids and and like today I spent most of them yes
1: and I I think that's yeah I think that's why again you're talking about Hugh earlier that's why it's so relatable in, you know the fact that he talked about when he went over to India and then he came back to Australia mm. and talked about the little boy over there and how they had nothing but that they were so grateful yeah so instilling that into your children is you know exactly exactly yeah. what you want so yeah
0: so um Emma what's your experience been like uh, in schools and we are moving uh, sort of slowly towards the amazing work uh, that you do uh, at the moment but What's your experience been like and 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 how did you get to where you are today?
1: So I started in education just by chance, actually. I never wanted to be a teacher and I actually hated I hated school. <laughs> um so I never thought that I would yeah end up in education. But I moved in with my partner and we live sort of quite um rural. So the the school the local school had a teachers aid position for just seven hours a week and when I moved here I said to Josh what am I going to do I was a personal trainer at the time and um yeah that job sort of um came about I thought well I may as well give it a go and mm. after two weeks in the classroom I enrolled in a bachelor of education it's just wow. like something clicked within me yeah and I knew that that's what I wanted to do so. I spent the rest of my degree, which was um, three years back then. I don't know if you can do it now, but I fast-tracked it. Um, So I took on extra units so that that it was only three years um, through Open Universities. Uh, But at the time, I was a teacher's aide for three years, and I think that really contributed to me entering the profession with Mm. so much more knowledge and experience. Um, And so, yeah. From there, I went into an upper primary classroom and I spent time in upper primary for um, two years and then spent five years in lower primary in year one, okay. two, which I absolutely loved.
0: Yeah. Um, can, can I ask um, as well, what was it that clicked? Like, I mean, because two weeks is not a long time to kind of change know. direction in your career. Was it, do you think it was a particularly great school that you're out? Did you enjoy the? the interactions with students and staff? Or was it a bit of everything? Because yeah, two weeks is not a lot of time to to make a decision like that.
1: Yeah, I just loved being with the kids. I loved helping the kids and just seeing that little smile on their face and just knowing the impact that you can have, I think. And oh. I think my experience being so negative with school growing up in both primary and secondary um, and just seeing the impact that teachers can have on you and peers and just how a school functions really, and how that impacted, yeah, yeah. my self-esteem and my view of the world. So knowing that you can right. have that impact on a child, I think, yeah, it just it just lit me up
0: yeah and 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 why, um why was it such a negative experience at school? bit of a personal Uh, (laughs) yeah
1: no I feel like the amount of trouble I had with peers just with bullying um I just think that and it's funny I listened to the most recent um podcast episode on the Imperfects and um he was speaking about obviously traditionally when there was a lot of bullying in schools it was just sort of seen as banter I think and especially in regional schools Um, peer-to-peer banter but it can actually just be really isolating and really affect your self-esteem and I think that that's what happened so just uh, teachers maybe not having the skills to support children with their mental well-being and also um, yeah just yeah maybe not teaching the soft skills so any um, social emotional learning as well so kids not understanding the impact they have on other people and uh, yeah, yeah I think that probably contributed to my negative experience and
0: I, I think that's like that's hugely important and and the more and more I, I talk to people like yourself the more I realize that the the main role of schools isn't really to, to educate it's about creating those spaces where there is that deep connection and sense of well-being and, and sense of belonging and um, I um I've started saying that to my students now that like my main job is to make sure that you are engaged and excited to come to school. And and I, I didn't really have that at school. Like I had a couple of mm. teachers that, that I really liked and many more that I just felt were a bit, couldn't really be bothered really. And, yeah. and I think every child deserves to, to walk into a space and feel like they belong. Um, I think it's so amazingly important. And, and at some point you're going to kiss your little one goodbye at the kindergarten gates and you're going to want like her to it, I
1: don't it, want to think of that day no I
0: know, <laughs> I know. I, and we were like uh, we were there six months ago and I'm like wow like I am handing over something that is more precious to me than life itself and I'm trusting yeah. you stranger to like help develop her into a citizen of the world like it's a, it's a crazy concept isn't it and I think I think
1: that, Ex- yeah. <laughs> yeah that is exactly why i said i think before that when you have a child everything is amplified so knowing that um yeah that a teacher becomes an attachment figure for your child especially in the early years so if you're teaching K to 2 that is when all of the meta systems in a child's brain is formed and mm-hmm. so the way they view themselves and the world sort of gets cemented in that time and so yeah you have a huge responsibility and i don't think that Um, yeah I don't think it's to be taken lightly and that's why I think we need a huge um, shift in the way that we look at educating children not just to prepare them for the workforce um, yeah but to actually prepare them to be happy healthy citizens
0: yeah yeah we've got this um, my wife's amazing 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 and we've got this my my little one um, my oldest one is a little bit more um, it's a bit more creative bless her and she's happy to sort of do her own thing and and um, she's wonderful. Um, but we've got these little uh, images on our fridge. It's like, I'm feeling um, angry. Then it's got these little images that she can point to. So it's like, what do I need? And it's, I need a hug. I need time. Mm-hmm. My, I need to go for a walk. I need some space. I need to eat. I need to all of these things. And that's been really yeah. <laughs> interesting seeing how getting her to kind of identify or verbalize what she needs. And I think. It's actually quite a profound skill because I know a lot of um, adults and men, especially, that really struggle to be able to identify what they need. And uh, we're asking kids to do things that are a really difficult skill. So, Emma, what does your uh, life comprise of now? You mentioned you're a, a mum to a wonderful two-year-old. Um, are you? Uh, do you miss being in the classroom? Um, what's yeah? What's that experience been like? And what consumes uh, much of your time at the moment?
1: Yeah, so after I spent time in the classroom, um, I had a relieving assistant principal position before Mm -hmm. I had RAF. And so in that position, I was um, managing learning support and whole school wide um, wellbeing and also mentoring new teachers. So, and then, yeah, the grad guide was born last year. Um, I think, like you said, everything was just amplified uh, when I went back into the classroom and I really missed mentoring new teachers and just my passion for well-being and uh, really understanding children and emotional intelligence and so I sort of crafted that yeah into the grad guide so this year I'm three days um, in my business and also just uh, mum life really so that consumes me
0: so what what was that shift like I mean um, yeah what was it like to go from being in the classroom to um, working for yourself to being a parent like was that a I mean that's a major life shift I would imagine but what was that, what's that experience been like for you and
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: what have you learned along the process cuz that's crazy
1: <laughs> Yeah I've been reborn a couple of times I think so just being um becoming a new parent flipped my world upside down really because so like I said I had an assistant principal position and I was Um, competing my dressage pony at state level and was on a squad and um, all of the things and then when I had RAF I gave up that position I suppose um, because I couldn't go back three days and also sold my horse and so my day-to-day life looked a lot different Um, so that was yeah the first six months I'm not gonna lie was really hard Um, just really figuring out what my role was and who I was becoming and and um
0: yeah
1: yeah uh, after the first six months I wasn't the best sleeper so that was quite difficult um yeah and then I don't this is just my brain I just love to learn and love to be doing things so I actually did a digital marketing course quick course while I was on maternity leave just for something to do I don't really know why I did it but um it's coming in handy now (laughs) so I actually was going to start a business creating teacher bags which I was really excited about. Um and then I thought Emma what are you doing? You have no idea about manufacturing a product or anything like that. So that sort of got put on the back burner and I wanted to do some um some yeah. teacher mentoring and yeah and then that's sort of where the idea for the grad guide came about. So learning all the business things is still definitely something that I have to focus on um, every day and every week and, you know, learning how to be a better parent. And so I have a mentor as well, who sort of helps me with, um, with anything. Lyle, she's amazing. Um, But yeah, I just, I think anything that I do, I just love to grow and to improve and try and be my best self. So it all sort of overlaps and that's something that I'm so passionate about talking about in terms of just how much parenting and teaching overlaps and yeah. how you are an attachment figure and you need to understand children and the brain and yeah uh, yeah. so it's fun yeah. I'm loving it I, I do I, I do have the capacity to burn out in terms of I could just work right. all day every day in the business because I love it so much but so being having to put in boundaries and be able to say no today is just a mum day i'm just you know uh gonna spend time with raf and not do any work um definitely can be tricky yeah uh yeah especially because we live rurally so we can't just pop down the street or um you know we have to travel at least 20 minutes to go and see someone so yeah but yeah i'm loving it it's fun it's really fun
0: that's really cool and you mentioned like sort of you have a um a tendency to burn out or to be, and and I'm putting words in your mouth here, but someone, I guess, when you have such high expectations and such high standards, it's very easy just to go all of the time. Mm -hmm. But imagine working (laughs) for yourself when you're not getting paid every fortnight, you got to put the hours in, otherwise you don't get paid. Like, what what have you learned about yourself, um, in that process? And what are some of the things that you kind of put in place to make sure you protect that? You mentioned, um, I guess, single tasking. So making sure that 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 when you're at home being a parent, that's what you're doing. Um, but is yeah. it that you kind of put in place to make sure that you can be uh, the best that you can be for your family and also your clients?
1: Yeah. The biggest thing um, that I've learned is self-compassion. And I probably didn't really have a lot of that before becoming a parent. Um, so always just knowing that, you know, it might look good on paper, but in reality, nothing ever is perfect. And then we're going to make mistakes and we're going to muck up or we're going to have days where, you know, I look back and go, Oh, I wasn't the best parent I could have been today, or maybe I wasn't the best business owner that I yeah. could have been today, and that that's totally okay. Um But I have, yeah, I have learned that uh, I do have really high expectations, which I sort of knew that, but the amount that I've achieved in six months, everyone tells me that it's huge. Whereas I see it as I'm not doing enough or I need to do more. So just really having that level of self-awareness to remember um, to not be hard on myself and to recognize my achievements rather than continually looking to the future, which, which serves us, right? Like, that's how we get somewhere. And we, again, it's that discipline and that commitment and the drive, which is great. But just, yeah, having that awareness in knowing, okay, I, you know, I'm not feeling that. Like, so like recently, even just having a holiday in Darwin, um, just reflecting on that and letting go for a bit and realising that maybe I'm not doing enough for myself in terms of just fun, just to do things for pure joy and not to, to get ahead or to learn something more just because yeah. that is my personality so yeah um just making sure that i'm finding space and time for just doing yeah. things for fun
0: so is there a um is there an area in your life that you feel like you are currently under investing in
1: yeah that side of things putting putting um just the fun yeah just putting fun uh, mm. ahead of everything so just being like this afternoon i don't know let's just have a dance party or you know just something silly like just being a child again i think yeah um as adults i was talking to someone about this yesterday we just you know we are so responsible and we have jobs and we're parents and it's easy to sort of get in that little rat race or yeah you know on the hamster wheel of focusing on you know your responsibilities but not actually just doing something for fun yeah uh, and just be creative or just yeah that's something yeah. I want to do
0: more of. Mm. So, how on earth do you have time to to do a podcast as well? And do you have any um, do you have any tips for budding podcasters <laughs> that you'd like to share?
1: Um, I just I love connecting with people and talking, and that's why. So, I would rather talk than write. And so, yeah. doing a podcast. It's funny though because. I had a huge fear of public speaking that was that mm. has always been a huge fear of mine not anymore but but that's only from doing it and feeling the fear and doing it anyway. Yeah. Um but I just love connecting and talking um with people so I think just getting into it for the right reasons for a start because I don't know what the stats are but people who continue podcasts it's not very high like there might be a lot of yeah. podcasts out there but the ones that continue it's a very small percentage and that is because it is very time-consuming, but I think accepting that in the beginning, this is something that I've learnt um, probably especially in business but in life too. It's like are you going to sacrifice time or money? And so it's always deciding which one that yeah. you have more of or that you can give more of. Yeah. Um, so I did all of it but- myself for a while, but now that the business is picking up and I've got more jobs to do, I have outsourced just some of the editing, which has made a big difference. Um Correct. But yeah, I think just get into it for the right reasons. Yeah, and then you'll continue.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's that's really good advice. And I read somewhere, um, I don't know how accurate this is, but I read somewhere that most podcasts survive about eight episodes. Um, and yeah. so. What I did is I remember recording nine and just releasing them all at once, just because I thought I'm going to be one step ahead. Um, And then I said, "Look, if I'm going (laughs) to commit, yeah, I just I'm just that kind of stubborn person." And I said, "Like, I love
1: that. Yeah,
0: before I commit to this, um, I'm going to do one episode a week indefinitely. um, Which sounds, sorry, I'm going to release one episode a week indefinitely. And look, I think probably in the last." I think about the last two and a half years has maybe been a couple of weeks where we've had COVID or the kids have been sick or I just couldn't be bothered and I think but there is something about just like showing up and making sure that um you just do the work yeah you know? um and it's not pretty I mean quite often for me it involves uh, I'm still editing everything which I'm trying to get better at I'm uh but I think it's about showing up and doing the work. And 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 I was having this conversation with my wife last night. We we have no TV, so we seem to talk a lot. Um, which is a whole nother story in itself.
1: Yeah, I love that. Um <laughs> but,
0: but like I remember like like I remember saying like, what's the worst thing that could happen? The worst thing that could happen is that I'm that launching a podcast might make me like if nothing happens, it might make me a better listener. No one would listen to it, or it would help me to connect with some brilliant people like yourself and get to build that relationship across our profession and so the worst case scenario is that no one listens but you get good at having yeah. a job, you know like there's but it's how really... much
1: do you learn like yeah. i have learned so much just by having conversations with people yeah and yeah and just building your network of connections i think that's wonderful to just learn about people and yeah yeah i think it's amazing it's so fun
0: so tell me a little bit more um, about the grad guide. I'm just gonna I'm gonna quote yourself, which is a little bit weird. Um, <laughs> but but, but uh, please, uh, once you have done that, spend a few moments just unpacking um, what your heart and what your kind of vision behind it is. It says it's my dream to guide, educate. Sorry, it's my dream to guide, educate, inspire, and empower graduate teachers to become confident connected and compassionate Educators who focus on what really matters when educating children I mean that is a huge objective so tell me about why that is so important and also how how do you aim to do that within your already very busy and complicated life <laughs> there's a lot in there yeah, yeah
1: so I suppose spoken a little bit about it already (laughs) in terms of I feel that when you come out as a teacher you are so swayed by the school that you go into or even the uh, placements that you do and I just know that from my own experience because the amount that I've learned even in the last three years I think imagine if I had have had access to that from the beginning the the teacher that I would have become um, Mm. would have been completely different And so I continue to come across teachers who never feel prepared. Look at the stats. We know the stats. I think it's 40% of teachers leaving the first, after the first uh, year or something it is now. It's huge. Um, And through even just mentoring my grads through my AP position, I, I just loved being able to be that sort of guiding light for them if they had any questions or and just having set time to work with them every week on their teacher practice and go into their classrooms and reassure them that they were on the right track and so I guess um alongside that and my passion for learning support so I've always loved supporting neurodivergent learners and then having a child and spending more time with my mentor Lail who um has is an aware parenting facilitator and talks about attachment and um, emotional intelligence. She actually has her own school in Geelong called Woodline Primary. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. She would be a great podcast guest for you. She's done a lot of yeah. those. Um, I went down and visited her school, and so it's a it's based on emotional safety, and uh, so there's no punitive measures. It's trauma informed. The classroom are all based around um, playing them with their behaviour rather than using punitive measures. And so everything, I suppose, just crossed over for me and connected. And I thought, imagine if you could, because, right, like looking back, I look back at the start of my career and I think, oh my goodness, I didn't understand children well enough. I used punitive measures because the rest of my school did so as well. And most schools are still doing now. I had no uh, trauma-informed practice. I had no further development in um, understanding the brain or child development, so appropriately, um, developmentally appropriate expectations and things like that, no idea about cell. no idea about emotional intelligence and self-regulation or how my behaviour, my thoughts, my emotions, how that impacts the whole class, none of that. Um, and so, yeah, I thought, no, we really need to help beginning teachers, and I thought new teachers need to know that this approach is available. So yeah. a real, a connected yeah. and compassionate approach to teaching is available. You don't have to go into a school and use those practices if that doesn't align with your values because I don't know about you, Matthew, but I think that everyone gets into teaching because they love children and they want to support yeah. children. Yeah. And then the way that we show up and the way that we sort of uh manage behavior which you know I don't like the term behavior management I feel like it implies that we're just putting a Band-Aid approach on behavior and not actually digging under the surface to see what's going on for children yeah. um and so yeah I think so many teachers are so excited pre-service teachers and they're ready to hit the classroom and then they get in there and they just struggle they struggle with behavior they struggle with um looking after their own well-being they struggle with advocating for themselves and just Even understanding to be a teacher, I cannot believe how underprepared teachers are. So, and I look back when I went from upper primary classrooms to lower, I had no idea how to teach children how to read and write. And yet I was a qualified teacher. Yeah. So I, fortunately, my school was great with professional development and I trained um, to become an L3 teacher and that gave me all the skills, luckily. Um,
0: I I was just... Like, I, I was yeah. trained the first time I uh, learned how to teach kids how to read and write was through L3. I had no idea. And I think it comes back to our yeah. sort of point at the beginning of our conversation where we said, like, what is the purpose of, like, what is a teacher's job? Is it actually to sort of embed content into the brains of young people or is it to create a space where young people feel empowered and excited to come to school? And the fact that right. there's no, um uh training around social and emotional learning at university goes to mm. show that we we've got these priorities wrong something's gone wrong somewhere because i have the privilege of working with a with a number of amazing graduates i have done throughout my career but all of them feel unprepared when they come into the mm. classroom and yeah what, what are some of the sort of the, the common things that you've noticed with grads that come to you whether they all sort of feeling overwhelmed are they feeling like they're terrible teachers because they have never been trained how to teach reading and writing but what are some or what are some of the things sort of the common threads that you notice with the clients that you work with
1: Mm. so a lot of uh it does vary but a lot of grads who are working with me at the moment are in a school where they have limited support yeah right well. and they've just sort of been chucked into the classroom role they don't have scope and sequences for planning they have no idea how to plan there's no communication yeah. like some of the some of the stories are horrific really and i think no wonder we have teachers leave because this just isn't good enough there's no teacher induction i don't think any Grad that's working with me. So we have 130 teachers um, in TGM. So that's a combination of pre-service teachers and, and uh, teachers in their first five years. We even have some um, fifth years. But the common thread is, yeah, there's no teacher induction. There's never any clear guidelines or communication. And even if they have, they want to make that clear. And even leadership teams. Um, no one has the time or the capacity to support others at the moment i'm finding just with the teacher shortage leadership teams a lot of leadership teams um aren't supporting their teachers and i just think that that's due to lack of time and that's obviously not a blanket statement um but it is happening in a lot of schools at the moment um yeah Yeah. and so even if these grads have mentors their mentors are so busy with their own class whether it be Um, supporting challenging behaviour or just, you know, getting all of the things done on the to-do list. They just don't have enough time. And I think something else that sort of I think is bizarre is that it's just assumed that because you're an experienced teacher, I actually know some second years who have been given graduates to mentor and they're still graduates themselves, um, that teacher mentors in schools don't get any support in how to mentor or how to communicate or anything you know no leadership skills no emotional intelligence
0: yeah
1: so it just so many people in school systems at the moment are just being chucked in there with no mm. support and no skills so everyone is just uh trying to survive
0: and and it, i feel very fortunate because the school that i am in now is a um is a wonderful school but i've also worked in some really, really challenging schools. And for mm. me, that has reminded me that what I'm currently experiencing is not the norm. Um, and the culture mm. that we have is actually intentional, and it doesn't just kind of automatically happen. And it is, it, it's, it it yeah. really is difficult. And it, it escapes me why um, there isn't more of an apprenticeship model with teacher training, because I know I did my, I did my undergraduate, yeah. which wasn't an education, and I did a a two-year master's which was in education which I think I stepped in the classroom twice (laughs) and the fact that it was called Mm -hmm. a master's was I think an absolute joke because yeah it wasn't a lot of did it it it, it didn't prepare me at all for the classroom and 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 like I said it, it escapes me why we don't have more of a an apprenticeship model I know if you're doing carpentry or if you're doing plumbing which I've got some friends that do they spend a lot of time in like lectures, but then they also spend an equal, if not more, time actually on building sites and on job sites and on learning how to yeah. actually implement this. But what what do you think that is? Like it it seems like we've got it yeah, we've got it wrong here somewhere. We need to have graduate teachers in classrooms learning mm. the trade because quite often the things that we learn about at university while they're important, it just just doesn't prepare you. But yeah, what do you, what are your thoughts on that? And how can we do a better job of Of kind of bridging that gap because it, yeah, it seems pretty quite a chasm at the moment.
1: Yeah, there's a lot um, coming up in the media. I'm sure you've seen all the reforms um, about Mm -hmm. changing initial teacher education, which is exciting. And I know there's a huge focus on the science of learning and injecting that into um, our undergrad courses, which is great. Uh, But I really do believe that, like, some people say, How was your first year? Like, did you feel really scared and overwhelmed and uh yeah there's you know there's certain things obviously you don't really know much about but you just learn on the job um but after three years in a classroom or in different classrooms and seeing different teachers and being able to study at university and learn the theory and then be able to apply that in my position as a teacher's aide I think is invaluable and so I know that a lot of my um pre-service teachers who are in the membership I really enjoying being able to learn and then look at that through the lens, you know, of their teacher's aid position and see how it relates in the classroom. Yeah. And they, I think, have clearer ideas of the teacher they do want to be and the teacher they don't want to be, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you yeah. know, and that's through obviously working with different teachers. But, yeah, I totally agree in terms of, I think, getting them into a classroom more regularly. But I also think that if you are going to have more of an apprentice an apprenticeship style uh, course that teachers who are mentoring need support and some upskilling as well just to understand, you know, that relationship and that role and ensure that they can fulfil that role because, um, again, it is really hard. So I'm about to start supporting teachers' aides as well. that they're, they're able to join TGM um, because that's what I'm finding is that teachers' Uh, are learning about this and love it, but their teacher's aid doesn't have any uh, qualifications or any formal training. Um, if they're at university, great, but just being on the same page so that you can actually support the children that you are supposed yeah. to be supporting in the classroom is huge. So just yeah. just that connection, like there just seems to be a huge disconnect um, in schools mm. at the minute.
0: I, I couldn't mm. agree more with what you're saying as well about just the I mean, you know the complexity of schools, and and my I think my challenge is I'm a, a school executive. I just don't have a lot of time to do everything that I would love to do, um, and I think it's really important to um, to realize that quite often we yeah. put more pressure on people that mm. are already quite pressured and are very burdened, and so uh, I do think we need to somehow try and create a bit mm. more space so that we can actually do that because. I don't know. It's it's really difficult. I mean, you would know. You were in the role as well. You know how challenging it can be when you you have sort of ten or fifteen questions before you've managed to put your bag down and grab a cup of tea. It's it's yeah. <laughs> just nuts. And, and I it's think it's really and,
1: hard. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Have you ever thought about sort of, uh, and um, this may not be in part of your business plan, but doing something to support. Kind of middle leaders as well because I think that's a huge um yeah it's a huge so I'm not trying to give you business ideas but I think there's a No
1: you must be reading my mind. I'm about to add a new tier to the membership for emerging leaders. Um good to know. So teachers, yeah, teachers who are three years plus who yeah. are because I know some teachers, because of the staff shortage too, who are in their third year and they've been offered leadership positions because, oh, yes. yeah. you know, there's no other choice. And I think that that's great, but also you need a lot of support. And something that I find um, that we lack too in the education system is the way that we deliver professional development. You know, you might right. have an online PD or you have a day and then you go back into your classroom. You have no time to embed new practices or even think about mm-hmm. what you learnt. And so this is why I'm loving the membership model because it's self-paced. So everything is, um, we have guest experts that come in that are pre-recorded master classes. And I also do mentoring sessions, but everything, and I have a an OT, a resident OT and a teacher wellbeing mentor. And so they run Q&As um, live, but everything's recorded. So it's all okay. do it at your own pace, listen to it in the car, and then, and then it's more about okay. Well, let's actually because information without implementation, yeah. we know is doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Uh, especially as teachers, so it's what's working, what's not, talking about your different context and how things might apply yeah. to you. Um, yeah. So yeah, this model is great because it's just do it in your own time. Um. So yeah, I'm really excited to add the aspiring leaders option to have a little bit more mentoring around. Leadership skills and emotional intelligence, and what's actually required in a leadership role. Um, yeah, I think that's going to be awesome.
0: I feel like we've just got a scoop there with what you're planning next. Is- <laughs> yeah, but, but I think, like on a on a serious note, like one of the things that I'm really passionate about is how we do professional learning, and and that's like that was the main reason why I started this podcast because we and look we differentiate for our kids, um, but we don't differentiate for our staff who are just bigger yeah. kids. and it, just, it yeah. just always seemed bizarre and I know for me like I can't always stay back or if I do stay back I'm distracted because I'm thinking about picking up the kids or what I need yeah. to get bullies and all that kind of stuff so I wanted to try and create a place where people could dip in and out of the areas that they wanted extra support in um and yes. so for me that's been a really interesting way of I guess designing professional learning around the podcast model um mm. which is I don't know, it's it's been it's been really fun. And I think there's such a um and we don't do these things because there's a market, that's the wrong word. There's such a need, I think, um, in mm. supporting emerging leaders and supporting basically everybody through the whole process yes. of leadership. So it feels like for <laughs> you it's just a never-ending yeah. opportunity to to build more capacity, which I think is um which i i think is yeah it is really lovely but um i think that mm. new, um that middle leader space is really really interesting um and yeah,
1: yeah I-, I know look and some everyone has different opinions in terms of when i think teachers should go into leadership and um yeah. i do think that you need 5 years minimum in the classroom just because There's there is so much to leadership, and so if you don't really understand the teacher role and you haven't had a lot of experience, yeah, Yeah. in the classroom, like I think it's more beneficial to have more time in the classroom for sure. Um, That's not to say you know yeah if you're going into leadership early, but ideally I think.
0: I think you've also got to be like like I look at my own journey like I'm a completely different teacher than when I first started, but you've also got to know. You've got to know your craft before you yeah. are teaching, like, other people. I think it's... Yes, it's, you know, exactly. It's so, it's so, I absolutely I mean, agree. Yeah, so mm-hmm. incredibly important. Um Emma, I feel like there's a number of things that we've talked about today that are sort of podcast series in themselves. So I'm assuming at some point we'll be able to do around two because I have so many questions for you but I also don't want you to feel like you have to cover everything that you're involved <laughs> in. it's been really yeah. lovely to kind of dip in and out of some really specific things so I've just got a couple of questions um in closing because I do want to be um respectful of your time um if we were uh, sitting down uh grabbing a coffee and I was just about to step into the classroom for the first time I was bright-eyed bushy-tailed I've done my three years of whatever university qualification I needed um what would be a a a short piece of advice that you'd offer me because I want to love my job in 10 years time and I'm ready to go but what would you say to me
1: oh oh my gosh I cannot sum this up how long you got I'd say sit down for half an hour no I think that um Something I always say to my grads is to understand that it doesn't matter what you have on your walls, obviously less is best, I always say. It doesn't matter what you have in your classroom or any of the latest things you see on social media because that has a huge impact on our up and coming teachers at the moment. Yeah. You bring the energy, you bring the classroom culture, you bring the vibe. So by working on yourself, and this is why I'm so passionate about emotional intelligence and that level of self-awareness and self-regulation, connection and knowing yourself and actually feeling, you know, happy and healthy to enter the classroom, you make the biggest difference in the classroom, not all the little gadgets or all of the little, you know, attention grabbers or I don't know, all the little things that you see, they won't matter. It's you, you make the difference. Really looking at the lens that you see children through and behaviour. And so, you know, do you actually see children as good and bad or naughty or do you see behaviour as communication? Because that is what changes the way that you show up in your class. That that changes the way that you support your learners and your actual goal of teaching. Like, I think that is absolutely huge.
0: Fantastic. And if I was a, um, final question, Uh, if I was a school leader and I was just about to step into a leadership position, Mm -hmm. um, what advice would you give me on building a thriving school culture?
1: This is interesting because leadership isn't about you leadership is about your team but in saying that you again have to look after yourself first Yeah. um again I just delivered uh running a workshop at the moment called lead from within and it is all about um what leading from within means to you so showing up with authenticity and knowing your values and your place in leadership and I think that knowing that when you are in leadership you are inspiring others and you are setting the tone and so having that level of self-awareness again and realizing that the way that you show up and sort of the baggage you bring to the role I guess affects everyone around you and so we can um, again think of all these little things that we can get teachers to do but by showing up and working on yourself and modeling that to teachers that means you are leading and I you you know you don't have to be in a leadership position to lead in a school. Um yeah, it just comes from within and working on yourself and not worrying about other yeah. people.
0: Yeah. Mm. Um Emma, I'm so grateful that you would talk to me today. Um I was really drawn to your work because I think it's so it's so essential and I think it's something which isn't talked about enough and that's the um about how do we be the best teachers we can be, so that we can have the biggest impact on those that we teach. And I love the work that you're doing. I think it's mm-hmm. incredibly important. Um, and I can't thank you enough for um, for stopping and having a conversation with me. And my hope is that there'll be teachers all over the world, whether they're in their car or folding, washing, or vacuuming the house, that would listen to this podcast and realize that not only are they doing a great job, but also that there is help there. Mm-hmm. They need. And so, like I said, I'm incredibly grateful that you talked to me. And final question uh, where can people find out more about you and the amazing work that you're doing?
1: Yeah, so I have a website. Um, it's just www.thegradguide.com.au. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Instagram um, and Facebook and all the things. Um, but yeah, so all the information is on my website, The Grad Guide Mentorship, which is our online membership yeah so like I said we are I'm about you can join as a pre-service teacher and a teacher's aid. and then we have that middle tier for new teachers and then I'm adding in um, another tier to support um, aspiring leaders so that's going to be really exciting but thank, thank you God. so much for having me today I love this chat
0: oh no problem I, I really appreciate it and I'll put all links to all the things we talked about today uh, in the show notes so people can connect um, but yeah I'm hugely grateful that you'd stop by and talk to me thank you so much
1: My pleasure, thank you.
0: Thank you for taking the time to listen to the Art of Teaching podcast today. I hope that you, like me, got some valuable insights out of our discussions. For show notes, please visit theartofteachingpodcast.com and I've also created a private Facebook group where we continue the discussion there. The link will be in the show notes. Thanks again for listening and can't wait to see you for next week's episode.